On the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Now, with your Friday rush, here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Oklahoma Sooners are five and five. Just lost to West Virginia. There, I am ready to say my take on this. Uh oh. Before you say your take, I think that most Oklahoma fans, if they were being truthful and rational, would say they don't know. The ones that want to be loud and want to be obnoxious are going to say he's our guy because they don't want to admit that Lincoln leaving was going to make their program worse. Well, I'm going to say something to, to all of those. Say it. Say it with your chest. If you are jostling in between I don't know and he's our guy, you're both wrong. He's not. Because I think he's the wrong guy. Oh, wow. Just flat out. You show up at a place that's used to winning like Oklahoma is used to winning. And you go five and five, and you can you can talk me down. You can say, "Oh my God, Lincoln took so many players, so much of people." If you show up and you go five and five at Oklahoma, something is very very wrong. Oh, buddy, yeah, that take is out there. A necessary roughness podcast by Barstool. That is Brandon Walker, who I feel like about 95 to 98% of the fan base already hated. Uh, but judging by the text line when we open the show with that, I think 100% of the fan base uh, hates Brandon Walker now. I think that that's where we're currently at, well, uh, which is it, what he's rooting what, for, but he got it. Yeah, exactly, which is, which is the barstool model, so he's doing his job correctly. Um, but, yeah, I think probably <clears throat> of the you know 60%, 70%, knew who Brandon Walker was. I think a lot of people just learned who Brandon Walker was because of us and now they hate him. So they've just they've just added a person on their list of people they hate as opposed to already having him as an incumbent. So um yeah. Clueless buttheads is what they are being called on the text line right now. We have heard a lot of people be called a lot of different names. I've never heard clueless buttholes before be thrown on the text line. I got to say, I, I, I kind of like it, and I hope it sticks. <laughs> yeah, uh, clueless buttheads barstool. Yeah, I mean, it's again, this is kind of like our text earlier about uh, Brent freaking Venables. It's, that's a text that's short. It's to the point. It's efficient. Uh, not a lot of filler in there. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of derriere talk on the uh, – on the text line right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one from the 580, a, uh, a, favorite, uh, <laughs> a favorite phrase used by a lot of people there. Uh, I don't know if I can read that one, but yes. Everyone feels a certain way about that comment. And as we found out in the first segment, there's a lot of people that still uh, believe in Brent Venables. Um, it kind of felt like the majority of the text line still uh, gave us a lot of reasons why they still believe in Brent Venables. But... As I pointed out, um, the mood is the mood could change a little bit if you don't beat Oklahoma State on Saturday. You you rolled a five and six and lose to OSU again and lose to OSU and Texas in the same year, then um, wow, there's a lot of people upset right now. But it'll be a whole lot worse. OU minus seven and a half is the spread 
Um, the ESPN FPI gives OU a 61.5% chance to win this game. Travis Davidson, I'll ask you, what about OSU is dangerous? What about OSU makes you nervous for Saturday? Well, I'm not sure it's a lot about them, I suppose. Um, but I would say Spencer Sanders' legs. Um, the longer he stays in, uh, and even if he's not, you know, his upper body is struggling, those legs are going to work just fine. And, you know, mobile quarterbacks have given us troubles in the past. And and so I think that's what, what concerns me the most is them pounding away on the run on that linebacking core that is super thin, um, really, really no depth behind – uh, I mean, Danny and David and Deshaun, you got those guys, and then it goes immediately to true freshmen. So uh, that's tough. So I think they're going to hammer the run, and hopefully our guys can can get off the field and stay fresh, and the offense can extend some drives. Yeah, it's been a um, – I mean, OU fans that have been around for a while, they know that the dual-threat quarterback has been an issue stopping for several years now, and I'm sure that that's most teams in college football. But for whatever reason, it feels like if there's a quarterback back there that has the threat of using his legs, it seems like more times than not that he's going to have a big game on the ground. And we've seen that this year, right? Adrian Martinez – Probably being the most successful quarterback OU's faced this year with the dual threat ability. Garrett Green, throw him in there. Spencer Sanders has that. I would throw the OSU run game in there just as a whole because OU's been so bad this year against the run. But with Spencer Sanders' added ability to run the ball, even though he won't be 100%, yeah, that's probably the thing that I'm I'm most nervous about. And throw this in there too, man. I'm I'm going to be nervous if OU is in a tight game because they have not made the plays necessary on either side of the ball to come away with the win in a close game. I guess they did that in Ames against Iowa State, um, but that was more about your defense than the offense. The offense was stalling, and it was the defense that bailed you out that day. Kansas State was a close game. You couldn't make plays late. Baylor was a close game, same thing. And then you were in another close game last week, and you found a way to lose. You're 1-3 in, in close games this year, which is scary to think about. Well, and that comes down to, obviously, just what I just touched on, right? They get the ball late, and we just need a stop. We need a fourth down stop, and we just can't get it. And they run the ball, and we can we can be in the correct position, but, I don't know, just don't have the legs anymore to, you know, to, to make the play when you need it. And, and that's why, right? Close games, the run game. At the end of the game, you've got to sustain drives. I would love to be the one, like Tyler, you and I talked about, I'd like to be the one like the Kansas game when we took that last drive and just marched down the field nice and slow and and just choked that clock out. Well, that's what's been happening to us. It's exactly what's been happening to OU. And I, I know that there's some OU fans out there that want to win by 40-plus points. Uh, that would be a – Welcome sign, a non-stressful Saturday, which you haven't had one of those since the, the, the Nebraska trip. But there's something to – I think it would benefit this team quite a bit to be in a close game late and this time around figure out a way to win it. And, and OU for a long time now has been able to figure out a way to win close games, but that hasn't been the case this year. And I, I think it would serve this team and kind of as you move forward, the program, I think I think it would serve a lot if you're able to – 
get a big stop defensively, and then turn that into like a big touchdown drive to win the game. I think I think that that could do a lot for for this particular squad to to kind of get over the hump in that regard. Are you a are you a big stop or turnover? Are you a are you a deep you know deep shot right off of that to try and really steal momentum, or would you rather not see that? Well, you see, Travis, when I was growing up, uh, the head coach was Bob Stoops, and if Big Game Bob got a big turnover or a big special teams play, a fake punt. It felt like odds were he was going to take a chance at the deep ball Let in the very fly. next play. And it felt like every time that he did that, it hit on a big play for a touchdown. So I am very much, if you get the momentum, let's really push it and try to you know hit on another big play right after it. Right, but then the argument is, Tyler, oh, we're trying for the big play. We need to be running clock. We need to give the, our defense more time to rest and reward them since they just got a, you know, the big stop. You know, I think, oddly enough, I think the correct answer is just whatever works. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, and and that's and that's the problem. You know, we want to talk about, oh man, we're throwing deep too much. We're not connecting on the ball. Like, yeah, but I don't think you can realistically ask Jeff Levy or Dylan Gabriel to not go to a wide open Mims forty yards down the field. I don't think that's. I don't think you ever want to get to that point, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, losing close games is a depth issue on the text line. Eh, yeah. I mean, it could be a part of it. I don't think it's totally about. Well, depth. I think I think the way the way we're losing the close games, I think, has a lot to do with depth, right? Like the you know your linebackers on the field for ninety snaps as they're trying to because uh, it was the same thing that used to happen to us. You remember, like Trey Sermon, we'd put him in late and just let him, you know just run down their tired defenses, and, and that would be the end of the game. Ramondre Stevenson, you know, we kind of saw the same from him. Like, that's where that's where I think our depth is turning its ugly head because, again, you see the guys in position. It's just they don't have their legs underneath them anymore. I see being favored in Morgantown, says the text line, but going against a fifth-year running quarterback on a good team, I don't see it. I hope they prove me wrong. Hey, I, I'm – I was very surprised, too, to see OU open up as a seven-point favorite, seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and it still stay there. I, I'm very surprised, too. But, yes, it's a fifth-year running quarterback. He is banged up, and I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that this is some great Oklahoma State team. And, and I don't think that you need to judge OSU based strictly off one game, but like their worst game this year was just as bad, if not worse, than OU's worst game this year. And I, I know that that's not a great indicator on where the two teams actually stack up against each other, but don't think that this is some great Oklahoma State team because they definitely have had their issues this year. They're a beat-up football team, um, as is their quarterback. They just There's been times where they played really well, but there's not a whole lot of instances where I've watched OSU this year and said, dang, they're a really good football team. I mean, it's happened a couple of times, but, I mean, outside of the Baylor win in Waco and the Texas win in Stillwater, there hasn't been a whole lot of those moments for that squad. Yeah, and this was kind of, I mean, we talk about it a lot, Tyler, but remember way back in the preseason where we talked about this really being the meat of our schedule, the Baylor and the OSU games being kind of our two toughest tests, and now we're, we're, we're rolling in as a, as a big favorite against them. That seems kind of weird. Doesn't Spencer Sanders still have a COVID year? Yeah, I think he can still come back next year, which, which sounds crazy. 
I feel like I feel like that's true. He can come back next year if he wants to. And I have no idea if he's going to come back for Oklahoma State next year. But what do you what do you think his NFL did. prospects look like? Um, not not great, honestly. Um, I mean, I guess Kellen Mond got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, right? Hey, so, man, what this is like? A, this is a rough. <laughs> this is a. I mean, my Vikings are eight and one, baby, yeah. tied for the best record, just off a of the game of the game of the year uh-huh. win against the Bills, and here I am getting reminded of Kellen Mond. Getting reminded of, of Bounty Gate. What's going on here, Tyler? I, I know. Just, it, it, it has been an assault on the Vikings today. Is it because is, is it because Dallas blew yes. that, that two-score lead? Yes, it and, is. And you're, and you're just jealous of uh, the 8-1 record? I, I get it. Hey, we'll, we'll settle jealousy. it this weekend. We'll settle it this weekend. A little bit Vikings, of jealousy. Vikings-Cowboys play. Uh, yeah, I think Spencer Sanders will probably get drafted. I don't think it'll be a, a high draft pick, though. You, you in agreement on that? I, yeah, I would agree with that, yes. Yeah. Time of possession wins Bedlam. Well, let's hope not because OSU, or excuse me, OU has not been great with time of possession this year. That's been hard to come by for this team. Though they've seemingly slowed down their offense a little bit these past few weeks. Have you noticed that or is that just me? Yeah. Like, they're, they're still going up tempo, but not to the level they were earlier in the year. They, they've slowed things down, it seems. Yeah, and I, I do think part of it is the offensive line has been a lot better. I'm, I'm starting to hear a lot less Bill Biedenboe hate. Um, and I think he was getting accused by some callers as stealing money um, at the beginning of the year. But his, his unit's been really good, and Eric Gray has been better and better. So I think when we talk about time of possession and we talk about the pace of the offense, I think because we're having more success running the ball, it doesn't feel as fast. I think we rank 16th in the country um, as uh, when it comes to pace which ranks third in the Big 12 behind OSU and Texas Tech, um, and that would be fourth in the SEC um, behind, like, Arkansas, Tennessee, and maybe Ole Miss perhaps. But we're not running at the pace that, like, an old, like Ole Miss did last year, which is what a lot of us thought would happen. Text line, do you think David Hicks is considering OU going into this visit, even though they are struggling? They aren't struggling as bad as A&M. I guess Sanford plays part in it, too. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't considering OU, he wouldn't be here this weekend, this late in the process. Yeah, I think oh, I think I think A and M. Not just here's the thing: not all win loss records are created equal, right? I mean, we are a program that has won a ton ever since David Hicks was born. All he's seen is OU win a bunch of games, not titles, but a bunch of games, and put a lot of people in the NFL. So the culture of winning and the standard of winning is there. And you've got a first-year coach that isn't coaching his guys, and he can go in and play right away because I think David Hicks starts on a 2023 OU defensive line or at least plays a bunch on it. So with that, you look at some just different opportunities, whereas A&M, you're getting a bunch of kids kicked off the team, suspended. You're getting uh, you know, the number one recruiting class is all of a sudden, you know, a lot of rumors of them hitting the transfer portal. Um, they're the last place team in the SEC. And we're in Jimbo's fifth year. Like, so where is the where is the reason for optimism when it comes to Texas A&M? Nothing has changed over the last five years. Whereas Oklahoma, you have a lot of reason for optimism. I don't think David Hicks is going to stick with A&M. Now, that doesn't no, I... necessarily mean that I think he's going to sign with OU, but – he is not. Um, he is not acting as a strongly committed player to Texas A&M. Maybe it's Oregon in the end. 
Maybe it's Texas in the end, but I think OU definitely has a I, – I, I would not – how about this, Travis? I would not have imagined OU being in this spot on the Wednesday before Bedlam with David Hicks after the day that he picked oh, no OU way. over a – like, I never thought <laughs> that it would get around OU, to yeah. this. So, I mean, there, there's well, we something. Were, you know, it was – you know, when, when I got that text from somebody on the staff that just – gave that one emoji of like like a panicked emoji i knew exactly what had happened i was like i i I knew it was and and we were actually on break and i was like oh no oh no he's an aggie (laughs) but you're right the mood that day versus even the mood right now like a&M has fallen off a cliff especially with cultural issues uh they're really struggling down there and then you know, so I would actually probably put Oregon as more of a threat for Hicks than I would A&M right now. Well, and that's, that's the thing that um, I, I think you could be nervous about here. Like, are the relationships better at OU than they are at Oregon or Texas? Well, probably because it kind of seems like OU's been in on him longer than those two schools have. Had, those two schools have. But if, if we're right, and he did pick A&M because of the bag last time, well, we know the bag's going to be there at Oregon and Texas, right? And I'm not saying that OU's not going to play the game a little bit. I- I'm sure o- that they OU's are to some extent. OU's playing the game. Yeah, OU's playing the yeah, game. Yeah, but he picked the bag the first time, so how much of a factor is that going to be the second time he, around? He, I don't know. He picked he picked the bag, and he picked Damian Sanford. Um, and there's no uh, – make no mistake, they're taking this visit together. Um, I believe Parker was hearing – that and in relaying that they were actually going to share the official visit as OU is is woefully short on those um, but I mean they're taking the official together they'll be proverbially wined and dined uh, you know together and I think Hicks and Bowen will be uh, um, presented you know an, an attractive, not bag by any means, but just almost like their own presentation of why they should come. You know what I mean? Like not just a typical, hey, let's walk you through the facilities, all this kind of stuff. Like I'm talking about like, hey, we're swinging for the fences on this. We don't want you to leave Norman without silent committing to us. Uh, A handful of commits that will be in town this weekend. The guy we're just mentioning, five-star David Hicks, 23 defensive lineman, currently committed to A&M. Five-star Peyton Bowen, uncommitted safety. Well, I guess he's uh, committed to Notre Dame. He is a committed safety to Notre Dame. Jackson Arnold, five-star quarterback, committed to OU. Uh, Sanford, who we just mentioned, a four-star backer, committed to A&M. Caleb Hicks, a four-star running back, committed to OU. And then you've got uh, five-star defensive lineman David Stone, who just earned his fifth star today in the 2024 class, so he's a junior. But he's the number four overall player in the 2024 class. So massive, massive recruiting weekend. Well, and also, like – Caleb Hicks said, he just tweeted out that he's going to be there. I don't know if he said that. But, yeah, and, and Nigel uh, Smith as well, who's a four-star uh, four star defensive lineman in 24 as well. So. And Nigel Smith, as crazy as it is, I know we have uh, um, I know we have ties to your local guys like your David Stones, uh, your Zadavian Sims, uh, things like that. But Nigel Smith, he might be actually who I feel best about. He's out of Melissa. Again, he's kind of close to that uh, Michael Hawkins Jr. situation. I mean – he is borderline five-star, Tyler. He's the seventh-ranked defensive lineman. 
And number 38 overall, those of you that, you know, kind of keep up with recruiting, you know the five stars always rank kind of between, you know, 30 and 35 because they like it to represent the first round of the NFL draft. So, I mean, you have another borderline five star that could be a five star by the end of the cycle, you know, that, that OU feels really good about. So, big recruiting weekend. And it's important to get Jackson Arnold and PJ and yes, Caleb is. Hicks and, and, and all those guys there that are At like, At least hey, five – uh, spend your your first several practices um, with just working fundamentals, and then the good on good work that you do do. You're using primarily your young players, and even taking time to scrimmage those guys and continue to give them game type reps. So um, that's the you know the biggest part of it, and continue to be around you know your players. You know, continue to nurture relationships, uh, things of that nature. Um, keep them busy, right? When your kids come home from school, you want them to stay busy, right? So you get them a list of chores or you sign them up for activities and things like that because it's good for them. So same thing, just to continue to provide structure, you know, an accountability, an environment where they can continue to grow and get better. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you to the final hour of The Rush. I'm inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Travis is in Eufaula at Flamingo Fish and Marine. There's Brent Venables talking about the importance of getting to a bowl game. I think we all know the importance of getting to a bowl game. You don't want to go 5-7 and seven because how many times have we made fun of Texas for going 5-7 and seven over the past decade? Quite a bit, huh? And I, I, literally, you know, I literally call my sister's anniversary Steve Sarkeesian Day because she got married <laughs> yeah. on May 7th. Yeah. She got married on May 7th, 5-7, so now I'll never forget her anniversary. I mean, you save face a little bit, I guess, going 6-6 six and six or 7-5. and five. You cannot save face at all going 5-7, no, and, seven, and you can't no. get those extra practice days going 5-7 and seven without a bowl game. It would be disastrous if you don't, do not make a bowl game this season. So we, we've had a lot of people in the text line saying, ah, guys, what is up? How is OU a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this game? And our response basically is, huh? We're, confu- we're confused by it, too. But there, there's, there's been some confusing lines for OU over the course of the past few weeks, right? An eight-and-a-half-point favorite over West Virginia. They lose outright in that game. But the strangest spreads have actually been with Texas. Texas was a – like, OU is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over an Oklahoma State team that's just inside the top 25. Texas was like a seven and a half point favorite last week against a top four team in TCU. And here they are again, Travis, on the road at Kansas, who's six and four, and Texas is a nine point favorite. Is this another scenario where this line is way too big for UT? Yeah, I don't know what they are against the spread this year. Obviously, they were big favorites. Um, against Oklahoma State, ended up losing outright by seven. So that was a 14-point miss uh, by the spread. And then, obviously, uh, the TCU miss. I, I would have to look and see what they are against the spread. It can't be great, can it? I mean, because they were no. – well, I guess they covered against Bama. They, 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 they didn't cover against TCU. They did cover against Kansas State. They didn't against Oklahoma State. They didn't against Iowa State. They so, certainly did against OU. Yeah, they haven't covered in three of their last four games. Didn't against hmm. Tech. Did against Bama. So they well, might be somewhere around 500, a little bit less than 500 probably. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think Kansas is going to cover that, man. Are they going to win the know. game? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'm going to probably go with Kansas as my lock this week, um, simply because I, th- I think it'll be close. I, you know, can't. This is a different Kansas team. This is the. This is be- this te- this Kansas team is better than the other Kansas teams that have beaten Texas, like much better. Oh, this is the best so, Kansas team since they were uh, hoisting the Orange Bowl trophy over Virginia Tech with Mark Mangino. It's not really that yeah, close, I don't think. Exactly. So, yeah, I give Kansas a good shot to win it, man. Real good shot. Yeah, um, I I don't know if Daniels is going to be back at some point this year. He, he was practicing a couple of weeks ago. I thought that we might see him by now, but the matchup predictor has Texas a 77% chance to win. Like we said, Texas minus nine. I just think KU's got a better chance to win than that. I hate I hate those matchup predictors. Yeah, well. Maybe. Like, I, I just absolutely hate them. Been rough against I mean, OU this year. Yeah, well, I mean, after Texas, they had us going 0-6, right? I mean, I know we haven't been lighting the world on fire, but at the same time, like, it's pretty egregious. Like, they just don't take certain things into consideration. Like, I don't know. Having Davis Bevel as your starting quarterback. Texas ha- Texas is at Kansas and then Baylor at home the end of the year. Do they go 2-0, and 1-1, and or 0-2 in that stretch? Man, I would have said 0-2, but whoo-wee did Baylor look bad against Kansas State. Yeah, they did. And I get part of that was Kansas State looked good, but, man, Baylor didn't – I just was not – expecting that out of that game i thought that was going to be one of the better games of the week um but i I think probably one and one i was going to go one and one as well which they finished seven and five on the year but i I think there's a real chance that they can lose this weekend you know kansas isn't scared of texas nobody's scared of texas right now why would you but ku is going to have a uh, different level of confidence like this is their final home game of the year and yes they're already bowl eligible but so hopefully they're not feeling the uh you know, the, the, the satisfaction, like, who cares what right. happens from here on out? We're going bowling. Um, I, I, I'm going to guess Kansas has plenty of confidence on their sideline going into this one. Yeah, I mean, if 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 they were confident, you know, if, if they were confident they could win with, with their teams they had in the past, this, they've had wins, they've had big wins, they've been ranked this year. I mean, this this has to be the most confidence they're playing with in, in a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, and and with Texas, if they continue to run the offense specifically through Quinn Ewers, I think they lose this game. If they understand that Bijan will lead them to victory, then I mean, you got to get the last bit out of Bijan because he is gone. I know. After the idiot, I I just wonder at what point are they finally going to throw? Uh, excuse me, Hudson Card back out there. And, and I mean, they, all, they all your to. goals, all your goals are lost. So I, I'm, I mean, it, it still matters. There's a big difference between eight and four and six and six this year. But why do they? And I know the answer. I think we all know the answer. But why do they just continue to refuse throwing Hudson Card out there to see if something can happen? Because Quinn Ewers has been bad since the OU game. Because because here's the thing. Like Dabo tried that early in the year, and, and he won a game because he went to the. Went to the backup to, to mix things up, to create a spark, anything like that. And granted, he has a really, really good backup. Um, he's got, you know, one of the best, you know, freshmen in the country probably uh, in Klubnik behind him. But with that, like, it's just Sark's stubbornness, man. And I don't know, again, this is, could be crackpot theories. I get it. But I don't know if the boosters have said, like, look, you play Quinn and you only play Quinn. Because I, I, don't, I don't know how Sark – admittedly a good offensive play caller can look at that and say, 
you know, we could really the run, you know, we could we could run the ball, but Quinn won't run it. We could run it with Hudson, but ah, no, screw it. We'll just we'll just I mean, try he, and throw, throw the, away he back He said in the it. press conference last week, like, well, we thought it would be unfair to throw Hudson Card late in the game in that situation. You thought it was unfair. Well, what was unfair is your Quinn Ewers led offense had three offensive points on Saturday. That's what's unfair. You didn't at least want to try to get something going with your backup quarterback. It, at least you'd like know maybe going into the next week who gives you the best opportunity to win at Kansas. I, I don't know, man. It's just. It's weird. And I told Parker this earlier, man. You know, for as much as people want to make about the OU quarterback situation next year, and I definitely think it could be interesting, I think Texas quarterback situation next year is way more interesting than OU's is. Uh, I, yeah. think, I, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be your starter next year and Jackson Arnold is going to be your backup. Well, I th- But I don't know I th- about th- Texas. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be a starter, but I think, I think Jackson and Nick Evers battle for QB2 because I think – I think what we saw through this system is you need some time with it, and I know that Jackson Arnold runs, you know, real up tempo offense at Denton Geyer right now, and I know that he's an early enrollee, so he's going to have some time. But Nick Evers having a full—I mean, this was a top ten quarterback in the 2022 class. I think he was the number nine ranked in the composite. Um, you know, he's—he admittedly wasn't ready physically when he got here, um, but put on some weight and. Uh, I, th- I think that he's going to have a leg up early. That's not to say Jackson won't overtake him as the season goes on, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not all in on, I mean, I'm all in on Jackson Arnold, don't get me wrong. I'm not all in on, hey, man, this freshman, if Dylan goes down, you know, for some reason in week one, we throw out a freshman week one. I just, I, I'm not sure that's the best move. Oh, I don't, I don't think it is the best move, throwing out a true freshman in your entire which next next year's going to be a critical season. We can all agree with that, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, we heard Brandon Walker earlier in the show say that he can already decide and he already knows that Brent Venable is not the right guy for the job. Well, both you and I say, hold on, let's let's wait a little bit, uh, a little bit longer than just ten games to make that call. But you're you two, can't guarantee anything after ten games, yeah. whether he's the right or the wrong guy. You can't guarantee any of it. Year two, though, we will both say absolutely. It is a big year, and you would hate to you would hate for that big year to be in the hands of a true freshman quarterback, whether he's got five stars or not. That that's a scary place to be. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's tough because you do a disservice to him as well, right? And it's it's tough to build. It's tough to build depth in the quarterback room right now. I know there are a lot of people that think, oh, we need to go to the portal for a quarterback. Okay, who are you getting? Who That's are you getting? Yeah, well, he ain't coming to a quarterback room that has Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, and Nick Evers in it. He's going to go somewhere that he can obviously be the starter. That's what, well, this is what we ran into yesterday, or last year, Tyler. And I do think it should have been handled a little bit differently, perhaps, in hindsight, and maybe – maybe said, hey, you know what, you can compete for the starting job if you come here, but it was so obvious that it was QB2 no matter what. Um, but but who what, – what upgrade from – what upgrade from Dylan Gabriel and what person you would be willing to put Jackson Arnold's development and Nick Evers' development at risk with, who is that person that you could bring in and be like, Okay, now, now we can really cook in Levy's system. He's not; it doesn't. The person doesn't exist. Well, just pay C.J. Stroud more than the Lions will, or the Texans will, or whoever. <laughs> I'm not asking too much. There right? you the go. Crimson and Cream Collective gonna need a little bit more than three million dollars to get C.J. Stroud in. We need a new goal, please. 
We're going to have to beef it up a little bit more. Get multiple donors involved. You donate $1, Travis, you've got 10 donors in. $10 for every $1 that gets donated. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe that's what the fund is actually for, and we don't even know. Brent has seen a freshman quarterback have an immediate impact at Clemson, just saying. Well, yeah, I mean, but you can't count on Jackson Arnold to be the future number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah, you can't just, like, it's the same kind of thing with Caleb, right? Like, Caleb might be the best quarterback in the country right now. Like, he is the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Like, you can't just always just assume that you've got a guy that's going to be a number one pick. Could he be? Of course. But you can't bet on that. But the situation was different, too. It's... Like, that Clemson team was loaded that year. Defensively, they dominated Alabama in the championship game. So it wasn't like they just threw in Trevor Lawrence and he single-handedly, Cam Newton-style, carried Clemson to a national championship. Clemson had dudes all over the field. Like, they were so good around that they could have a true freshman quarterback in and still win at a high level. Obviously, OU's probably not going to be in that position next year. So the two situations are going to be very different. Yeah, it's uh, you just you just don't want to like it's not an ideal scenario to start a true freshman quarterback. Like that I I think that's what I think that's what I'm losing people on right here is it's not ideal. Yeah. Like you need to if you want to have a big season, you need to have somebody that's been in the system for a while or like you can't just say, "Hey, you know what? Uh there've been a, a few Tyler, a few few freshmen uh, uh, true freshmen have an impactful uh, senior season. And guess what? The the true freshmen that BV had, you know what else they had? A really good defense. 100%. Four oh five. Like really good. 651-34-39. What's the latest on the coaching carousel going on in college football right now? Uh, there's some interesting stuff. We'll tell you next right here on The Ref. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is The Ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you shit in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Auburn, Alabama, waiting for their next head coach to be named. And the scuttlebutt in Lincoln continues to be around former Baylor and Panthers head coach Matt Rule. And the hottest rumor in um, Auburn, Alabama, is current Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin, which is interesting. Now, last year was probably the most interesting coaching carousel of my lifetime. Nobody saw Lincoln going to USC. Nobody saw Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to LSU. So, is Lane Kiffin to Auburn? Is Mac Rule to Nebraska a smokescreen? Or are those really the two favorites as we sit here today? Yeah, I tell you what, I I don't really know who's running towards either of those jobs, um, especially in their current states. Uh, I think, you know, what would be interesting is if Auburn just backs up the Brink truck and goes and gets like Dabo. <laughs> you think Dabo would go to Auburn? That'd be awesome. <laughs> I think with enough money. Here's the thing. I think people. I think there are some coaches that think, "Hey, the 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 SEC and the Big Ten, those contracts are ironclad, and they have financial, you know, security for the next however many years." Can you say that about the ACC right now? No. I mean, I know they've got their grant of rights that goes out till you know, 2093 or whatever it is. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if 
you know, if, if they if they throw, you know, thirteen million dollars at them, go ahead. Apparently, <laughs> which would only make Nick Saban happy because he he has to be the highest paid coach in sports. Every time there's a coaching carousel, Nick Saban just has to smile because he knows he's yeah. getting a raise. I wouldn't be at Ole Miss long term if I was Lane Kiffin, and clearly, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I would. Stay I wouldn't at, go to Auburn though. I wouldn't go to Auburn either, but. Apparently, no. Auburn has some things that work in, in their favor when it comes to Lane Kiffin. One, they have better facilities. Um, yeah. Two, they have more NIL there. I don't think those two things are surprising. But and, and I heard this from Josh Pate, which I found interesting, is apparently the state of Mississippi, state employees cannot be offered the Jimbo contract of like 10 years, $75 million. Like a contract cannot be – is it over like four or five years in the state of Mississippi? So if Lane Kiffin's looking for one of those Jimbo contracts where it's like eight to ten years and a whole lot of money, like they cannot do that in the state of Mississippi. That's not Ole Miss's fault. That's the state of Mississippi. And Auburn's not in one of those states, and I don't think Auburn would blink to offer a head coach like Lane Kiffin an eight- or ten-year uh, deal. No, I agree with that. Um, do you think Lane really wants to be in the same state as Nick Saban? Um, I know he sure for, loves him for, on Twitter. For but. trolling purposes and Twitter followers, right. yes. <laughs> for competition's sake, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's like a Hugh Freeze situation, Some, something like that, something underwhelming because, again, I, I think with those specific boosters, we heard Brent Venables himself say it. He said, look, the alignment isn't wasn't you know attractive at – uh, at Auburn, and that's one thing he's got here. Joe Harris and Joe C. They are aligned. They are they're they're a great support system. Uh, got a great donor support system here at OU and everything like that. So as far as like the leadership side, a lot of people say you don't quit a job, you quit your boss, right? Well, I think Auburn. I think I don't think a lot of people are running to work for Auburn Auburn's bosses, whether they're official or unofficial. Uh seven three one area code. Wouldn't Lane be the heir to Saban whenever he retires? I don't I don't think so. No. I, I think no. Alabama would look down on hiring a head coach like Lane Kiffin. I I don't think they'd go there. I think Dabo would be their first choice. I don't know if Dabo would take that or not, but that'd be their first call. Yeah, it's it would be Dabo. Who else do you think? Do you think Golding would get an opportunity? No. I think they hate him out there. Well, not as bad as they hate Bill O'Brien. Well, they hate Bill O'Brien. They, they hate everybody at Alabama, except Well, Nick that's Saban. what's so funny. It's like, you know, you hate, you know, you hate both coordinators, blah, blah, It's such a bad year. What, like, oh, no, you're not going to make the playoff for, like, he, the No, they, they would hate whoever they hire. Well, he ain't Nick. He ain't that's Paul. The thing. It's like, he ain't Paul. Yeah. He ain't the that's butter. What, that's the thing. Send uh, send Lane Kiffin up there to two or three years. They can hate him out the yeah. door and then bring in Dabo. The guy be, wouldn't even have coached a game yet, and he'd be the most hated man he, in the state because he, he's not Nick he, Saban. Yeah, but he won't be the rebound. Uh, he'll Old Dabo will come in and be the rebound of the rebound. Does Lane Auburn equal Lebby and Arnold to Ole Miss? I don't – I just don't think it, so. It's a fair question, but I don't, I don't think Ole Miss hires Lebby. I mean, I know they like him there, um, but I think they still try and go bigger. Um, personally. Now, if OU were, won a national championship, then I think oh, it's yeah. a lot more, you know, real of a conversation. But no, I agree. Yeah, with I, that. Think, I think they're going to go for a little bit more of a home run higher than than Jeff Levy if that situation happens. 
who who that name is? I don't know. I, I apparently Colorado's kicking the tires on Tom Herman as their next head coach. Wouldn't oh, that yes. be fantastic? Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the, meme, the, the meme meme machine's already firing up. I can hate Colorado again if Tom Herman's out there. Could be the best news of the day. All right, final segment of the day is next. Get those texts in, 405-651-3439. We'll hit them on the other side right here on The Ref. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is The Ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave is right here. On your home for Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Sports.